Are we recording? Yeah. <laughs> Would you elect Tony Stark as president? No. <laughs> Just because he was in charge of a military industrial complex? Uh, I wouldn't elect Elon Musk president either. I mean, I, th- I think that Tony Stark is a very erratic person. Like, there's a reason that Tony they Stark didn't is wanna... more morally aligned than Elon Musk. But they didn't want to let him in the Avengers for very good reasons. Okay, but I'm not saying like, I'm saying like, post post Avengers, post Iron Man three. Tony well, so Stark. I haven't seen what happens. Okay, fair enough. I don't know what happens next either. Actually, I think Civil War will probably touch on a lot of these issues. <laughs> If the title is to be believed. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, Maybe the Thor of the Dark World will. Oh. The most political of all the Marvel movies. <laughs> what if it is? I can't believe we have to watch that tonight. Dude, I have the same All thought. I want to do is like skip that one and watch Captain America have, Winter Soldier. I'm having the exact same thing. <laughs> I've seen parts of Winter Soldier and been like, this is a cool movie. Yes. I love Captain America. And like, I kind of just want to watch a good movie. I know, but I think we're going to have to watch we Thor do. of the Dark World. We what do. if we love it? I know it's just it's going to be a long time before we watch Winter Soldier because you're on vacation and I'm on vacation. Oh, we should also include double header. (laughs) I no. we review them at the same time. No, (laughs) recap them, but weaving them in together. (laughs) Meanwhile, Captain America is doing something way cooler. Uh, I was reading a description of of Prince's uh, performance at that Coachella. Uh, no, uh, yeah. at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing where he solos over while my guitar gently weeps. And the person described it as like a run-of-the-mill performance that is suddenly elevated when Prince appears to have teleported in from a much cooler party. <laughs> <laughs> and like that is how I feel like it would be if we tied those two movies together where it's just like somewhere else a w- much more interesting movie is happening. Man, if we had been able to invent teleportation in Prince's timeline, I feel like he would have been the first person we would have tested it on once it was proved <laughs> to be safe. I don't think, like, the part of him that when they were, like, he was going to play at the Super Bowl and it was raining, and they said, like, hey, it's raining, that might be a little unsafe, what do you want to do? And apparently he says, can you make it rain harder? <laughs> <laughs> can you make it rain purple? Uh, they did because they lit it all up. Oh, really? And That's it plays brilliant. Rain. Dude, it's incredible. Oh, I didn't know that. What, well, a, what an opportunity. Have you ever seen it? No, we'll watch it right now. Let's take a break. Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about Marvel movies and the occasional video game. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about Marvel movies and the occasional video game. So what did we watch, Matt? We watched 2012's Iron Man 3. (laughs) And we come in hot. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's 2012. The fact-based content that you come to this podcast for. I'm like 98% sure it was 2012. I will accept 2012. Yeah. Um, It definitely takes place in 2012. It does? Yeah. Okay. So this is a movie that takes place in a post-Avengers world, but is otherwise pretty disconnected from like the main plot line of the movies. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about it is thematically, it is 100% um, the conclusion of the Iron Man arc across these three movies it wraps up all of the thematic elements from the uh, first two movies yeah it's legitimately iron man 3 and also avengers 0.5 yes exactly it definitely follows up on the avengers but i mean let's actually just talk about what happens in this movie to catch everybody up because it's probably been two weeks since they've seen it too i mean the reality (laughs) of this movie is that a bunch of stuff happens that really has no bearing on the actual plot of the movie and that's in some ways some of the best stuff in the movie it is this movie man we're critiquing it already i have i have more mixed feelings about this movie than any other one because in my heart i want this to be my favorite yeah i think you said it was after we watched it it was the highest highs and the lowest lows. it is it is some of the highs in this movie i was just like i've never been more thankful that we finally embarked on this quest to watch the marvel movies and some of the lows i was like this is exactly what i thought these were i can't wait to get to the rankings oh good god i we're gonna have a conversation oh yeah we're gonna have a conversation but first we have to talk about what happened we begin 
black screen, Tony Stark narrating over nothingness and telling us a quote from a Some guy he doesn't he remember. He doesn't remember. I didn't look it up either. But then like the darkness uh, fades and we, we see all these Iron Man suits blowing up. Yeah. Exploding Iron Man suits. And so then, you were promised that there is going to be at least a few explosions in this movie. Finally. And then they play Eiffel 65's seminal hit, Blue. Yeah. Um, and I think we get like a title card that says 1999, New Year's Eve. Yep. And Tony Stark is at some sort of gala event, New Year's Eve party. Yeah. And he's talking to a smoking babe. He's glad handing with a bunch of people, but he meets um, Maya... Hansen. Maya Hansen, who is played by Rebecca Hall. Um, we're going to have a lot to say about Maya Hansen, I and think, in the, in the post-show. Yeah, a total lack of development yeah. that goes into this character. But she is some sort of scientist, and she's talking about a regenerative process that she's developed. Tony Stark is very into her. She is very into Tony Stark's terrible sunglasses, <laughs> of which he has many, so she's in luck. Um, His wraparound Oakley's. He has so many awful sunglasses and there was a moment in this movie where he's like at his low point and he's not wearing them and then he puts them back on and you're like sunglasses tony is back (laughs) it is the only way he can be happy it's the only time that he's truly himself it's like when the world is the proper color he's not right (laughs) that's Uh, sort of like like yeah that sort of yellowish like ochre (laughs) just everything's just kind of hazy um so She's got this process. He's just kind of blowing off everybody else. Yeah, and he blows he, he off. Just, and he just wants to bang. Yeah, Tony just wants to bang. Um, and she's like talking, trying to talk to him about her her regenerative regenerative regenerative. You got it. Uh, tissue like process treatment that she has. And in and the process, Tony Stark blows off the scientist that he will eventually be imprisoned with in a cave oh, in yeah. Iron Man 1. Briefly. It's a nice little little callback. Classic comic book move and totally plays into the scene, so I like it. Yeah. Strong callback. Um, but that's not the only person that Tony blows off. No. As he and Maya are walking towards the elevator, they're just like surrounded by random people, and Happy Hogan is there as well, doing his his John Travolta in Pulp Fiction look. Happy Classic Hogan 1999. is uh, John, John Favreau, Favreau yeah. director of the... Previous two movies, previous two. not the director of this film. No, not the director of this one. Uh, this one is directed by Shane Black. Yes. And written by Shane Black. Yes. Um, so Tony is blowing off all these people, including this sort of strange, nebbish, and model-skinned looking Guy Pierce, who you immediately recognize is Guy Pierce, but very like less attractive than normal. Long-haired, wire-rimmed glasses. Yes. Greasy, very greasy looking. <laughs> very and greasy. Also shorter. Much shorter. Much shorter. They honed that in the uh, Captain America film, and they're like, we're going <laughs> to use this for everything it's worth. <laughs> I just assumed that he was just like kind of bent down. I think, the I think he's time. just stooped. I don't yeah. think it's like a Hobbit effect. <laughs> <laughs> um, Guy Pierce is also there. Uh, and Tony, because he does not want to bang Guy Pierce, basically ignores Guy Pierce. So they're all going up in the elevator, and Guy Pierce is trying to talk to him about some. Uh, project that he's working on yeah and he's he's wearing a shirt that says aim which yeah. is like his company that shirt it's a it's a shame and i hate to spoil this for people guy pierce is the bad dude in this movie but the shirt that guy pierce is wearing here is really cool looking and i just want that shirt yeah it's a relic of the time yeah neat graphic design on the aim logo so tony basically says to guy pierce he like pulls him aside he's like hey look i'm busy right now go up to the roof i'll meet you in 10 minutes so Guy Pierce goes up to the roof while Tony goes with uh, Maya back to his ho- to her hotel room. Yes, where she has this crazy science apparatus set up, which seems like a lot to bring to a hotel. Yeah, and there's a plant it's in like it, like a terrarium or something. Yeah, and there's a plant in it, and she's like, "Don't touch this plant." But of course, idiot John Favreau, uh, in his John Travolta and Pulp Fiction mode fiddles with the plant breaks one of its leaves and we see that it regrows and glows all red yeah uh meanwhile tony's macking on rebecca hall well well she's trying to show him some of her research and he is sort of like at times seems to be kind of interested in the research i think he is because he's a nerd yeah and then all of a sudden there is i think our third or fourth or fifth explosion because we saw a lot of iron man suits explode yeah there's another explosion and it turns out that the regenerative leaf has 
blown up for whatever yes. reason. Uh, this causes John Favreau to leap on Tony to protect him, but it all turns out it's fine. Yeah. Um, Menage a trois ensues. <laughs> if only for John Favreau, but I do not think today was his day. So that happens, and we are left to assume that they got it on and nothing else happens. Yeah. Um, cut to present day 2012. It is Christmas time. It's been like, I think, six months. I think that the Avengers, um, the attack on New York City by the Chitari was in the summer. So it's been like half a year yeah. since since that attack. And Tony is dealing, as we will learn. But first, we find out that Tony has figured out, he's made a bunch of new Iron Man suits, first of all, like 30 or something in the past six months. Right. Like that is kind of alluded to yeah. throughout this film he that went, he's made a lot of other Iron Man suits because the one that he's got right now is Mark 48. Yeah. He's went from like Mark 4 to like Mark 48 in yeah. six months. So he's been very busy and he's developed this new methodology wherein by injecting himself with some magic liquid, <laughs> he is able to like magnetically pull the suit towards him. As a bunch of like metal chunks yeah. and it sort of snaps to his body and i will by far the coolest out of all of the suit the, the suit like getting into the suit like scene scenes the treatment of the suit in this film is exactly how i want the suit to work yeah and something that this movie does better than any other iron man movie except for the first one is it makes the suit seem like it is made of iron and this heavy mechanical problematic thing Whereas in the yeah. intervening movies, they're always weight. like, yeah, the- well, like when it sl- when it like slams into his fist and encloses around his fist, like his fist flies back as though like, oh, that's heavy. Yeah, and like it's like it's- a physical thing that yes. you have to keep somewhere. Whereas it was always you're now- constantly balancing, and yeah, yeah. The other movies are very much like, oh, it's like it can form out of this Nano tiny machines. suitcase. Yeah. It's all stupid. Whereas this is just like, no, it's a bunch of metal and. If you're not wearing it, it sucks because it's a problematic, heavy thing that you have to deal with. Yeah. It's like having a car all the time. Yes. Uh, And so I really like that in this movie, it's like he can pull it to himself, which is super mystical and crazy, but the suit itself is a physical entity. Yeah, it's very snappy. It's like heavy, but snappy also. Like it it all fits together like Legos. It's very satisfying. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, So Tony like manages to do this. It's really cool. And we're like, but why does he have so many suits? Uh, And then I believe we cut to Tony and Rhodey are out getting some burgers. Yeah, they're just getting food. They're having a great time. They're having a good time. They're just getting some some burgers, talking about life. (laughs) And... uh, like I think Rhodey maybe brings up like the attack in New York, but Tony kind of like like you know kind of like right, and just we like, learn that the U.S. military has recast Rhodey as Iron Patriot, yes, renaming the suit from War Machine because that's a messed up name for a suit. Good move in certain ways. Oh yeah, smart political maneuvering. Yeah, so some of the only smart smart political maneuvering in this movie. <laughs> yeah, the only. But um. Uh, Tony, so these kids run up to Tony. I think they have like a drawing. One of them did a drawing of Iron Man. They yeah. ask him to sign it. And Tony's in the middle of signing it when he starts to feel like sweaty and uncomfortable. And like he grabs his chest and he goes running outside. Where he has parked the Iron Man <laughs> suit in the motorcycle parking spots. And I love Which is it. a brilliant touch. It looks so great. And it is exactly what he would do. And it makes so much more sense than like it being in a suitcase. I you, love you it. You get the sense that Shane Black more than any other writer kind of like intuitively understands who Tony Stark is and understands like how the suit functions as a part of his life. Yes. I love it. As the weird car that he needs to drive everywhere he goes. Right. That also keeps him alive. Right. So then, but so he gets in the suit and he's having this panic attack and he like he, the suit encases him. Right. And then he's just kind of like like crouched. He's like, he's like do a full body scan and like Jarvis, the suits AI is like, you're fine. Everything's fine. And Tony's like, I don't feel fine. And this is when we kind of realize that Tony has got like a pretty severe panic disorder brought on by the uh, sensibly the alien <laughs> attack in uh, on New York City where he almost died. And at one point entered another dimension where he pushed a nuke into like an alien fleet. Well, and I love it really. I, I, I understand I'm being very effusive right now about this movie, but these are the parts of it that I really appreciate. And I think it's actually a incredibly interesting thing to think about. Like, yes, this dude touched things that you are not supposed to touch. Yeah. And, and of course, it is going to really mess with your, your it's psychology. It's a realistic depiction of that. It's the, I say this with zero irony, despite the fact that we were talking about how, like, entering an alien dimension really fucked with Tony's, like... Psyche. Like, <laughs> psyche. But, like, it's relatable. Dude. It's the, kind of incredible. The way... Whenever they do the panic attacks in this yeah. film, they f- feel like an actual panic attack. 
Yes, you uh, feel it feels tighter and cl- and claustrophobic, and well, you feel the air running. And out. they do the thing where like they snap to like images from the Avengers sequences, yes. and it's weird because in the Avengers sequences, like they're tense and exciting, but they're not scary. But when you snap to those exact same sequences in this, the way that they do, you're terrified by it. It recasts it in a really new light. Yeah. It's really, it's very interesting, and I think it's really smart. I love it. Um, but it, the other thing that's really interesting about it that, like, I think is really smart is that you begin to understand suddenly that Tony has made all of these suits because his panic disorder has essentially given him insomnia, and the only way, and this is like a true thing with anxiety, yeah. is that it can totally fuel productivity mm-hmm. in a fucked up way yeah and that is exactly what it's done here although as we will learn not all of those suits were exactly his best work well and beyond that it's like this idea that he has recognized that the only thing between him and the really scary stuff that he touched is the suit and so yes. he's like desperate to make the suit as good as it can be because if he doesn't have the suit all the time there are aliens <laughs> and following the, which follows on the themes that have been slowly built up over the course of the other Iron Man movies and the Avengers in that his reliance on the suit. And is yeah. it Tony is Tony the suit or is, you know, right. Is he Tony without the suit? And all these other guys are actual gods. Yeah. It sucks to be Tony. Um, OK, so Except we, we for Black Widow and Hawkeye. Well, a conversation for another time. But their psyches are another story. <laughs> they have their guns. <laughs> And my bow. Meanwhile, Pepper, I believe, is taking meetings as the CEO of Stark Industries. Exactly. And so she's just being a CEO. Suddenly, a super hot Guy Pierce shows up with his really creepy bodyguard. He's much taller now, Guy yeah, Pierce. Much better looking. Much better looking. His skin cleared up. Real oh, he well. looks terrific. Uh, got LASIK, I guess. Fantastic. <laughs> He's playing with these like very la- David Bowie and Labyrinth style. Yes. Has these, like, oh, totally. These three metal balls <laughs> that he just likes to play with in his hand. And he's like, Pepper, I want to show you something that you might want to invest in as CEO of Stark Industries. And he tosses his <laughs> balls on the table. And then they turn into Not his Not a metaphor. Brain. He literally, yeah. Um, and also, the best part is that that technology, not what he would think she would be interested in. Yeah. And I guess that makes sense because Tony Stark built an Iron Man suit. But he shows her the human brain and he's like, I got technology that can just like limitless. Yeah, it, like restorative technology. It's a, a, similar to what Maya Hansen was talking about. Yeah. And its ability to... Um, to kind of like improve, not only restore the body, but improve the body in many ways. Uh, and so he's got his big brain hanging up over the table. His balls are projecting it onto the, into yep. the air. Um, but Pepper is not impressed. Well, well, she's a little impressed. I think she's impressed. But, but, her, but her moral compass is aligned. And this is not the sort of thing, because it has like military applications and stuff, that Stark Industries is interested in uh, working with anymore. Yeah, they're a green company now. Yeah, well, I think, isn't this something where it would, like, prevent PTSD for soldiers and just let them keep fighting? And let them keep fighting, yeah. And yeah. also restore limbs to soldiers who have been... Yeah, who have lost their who limbs. Who have lost their limbs. And allow... is essentially would just allow soldiers to keep going forever. Right. So, we're not into that kind of thing anymore. We're totally cool, nonviolent company, except for our CEO... Who, who likes to kill people in his weird robot suit? Robot man with military hardware, um, <laughs> but only for good and against aliens, and it's had no ill effects on his psyche. <laughs> um, so Pepper's like, no. But meanwhile, John Favreau was watching the security guard, like the yeah. security guard John that came Favreau, along with who, Guy who, Pierce, who is now Pepper's personal assistant slash bodyguard. I assume because Tony no longer needs one because he is his own bodyguard. Yeah, now they're just which like was I pals. think established in Iron Man two. Mm. Um, so yeah, so John Favreau is watching this guy that came in with Guy Pierce, who and John Favreau has like a good bullshit detector and can tell <laughs> that there is something going on here. He's known for that, and sure enough, this henchman looks like very like much like an Eastern European Bond villain. Oh, like, he's the worst. This yeah. dude sucks. He's putting his feet up on the chairs. Everybody hates him. It's disgusting. Yeah, he's awful. So. John Favreau's like, I'm going to follow this guy and figure out what's going on. And he gets Tony's blessing to do this. I don't know if at this point we know, but there is a series of terrorist attacks that have been occurring across the country, orchestrated by a shadowy figure who releases terrorist-like videos called the Mandarin. Really PC. There's a lot to unpack there. but But There's a lot to unpack there that we will talk about after the recap, because I think that it's very interesting. So the Mandarin is like... As played by Ben Kingsley. Played by Ben Kingsley. Some real nice stunt casting. Weird 
like weird unplaceable accent and is like always motivated by like the America like America is a terrible place and they have stolen all of these things from other cultures and blah 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 blah. I hate them. And now they must suffer. And now they must suffer suicide bombings. Yeah. Well, no, bombings. Bombings that you're jumping ahead. I'm sorry. <sighs> so what happens now? Okay, Pepper goes home yeah. to see Tony. Uh, she comes into the house the iron man suit is there she's like oh it's tony this is weird that he's wearing the suit in the house but okay and he, he probably wants me to be turned on by it yeah she's not um and eventually she goes down to the basement and realizes he's been controlling the suit remotely this whole time and it wasn't actually tony and that's really weird yeah it's a little little strange tony reveals that he's been having panic attacks they have a nice little moment but then that night while they are sleeping Tony, in his sleep, like, calls the suit to him, and it's looming over the bed. Because he's having, like, a nightmare of some sort. And, and so the yeah. suit is re- re- reacting to his nightmare, and, like, it attacks Pepper briefly before Tony, like, dispels yeah, it. Yeah, it's, like, looming, and, and yeah. Tony dispels it, but she's like, I am not in for this. I am yeah. out of here. So, okay, things are really bad for Tony. He's losing Pepper. He's losing everything. Meanwhile, John Favreau is following that guy. Yeah, same night. John Favreau is following the guy. The guy, like, goes to Grauman's Chinese Theater in L.A., and he meets... Catching a flick. Yeah, catching a flick, and he meets some dude, like, in army fatigues of some sort. Or, you know, he's wearing, like, dog tags. He meets this dude who's wearing dog tags, and he gives him some sort of, like, injection or something that the guy takes. Drugs, essentially. Drugs, essentially. And and John Favreau is like, that's weird. The guy who uh, the henchman then walks away, and the guy who received the drug starts to glow and then blows up. But John Favreau like gets one of the drugs off the guy. Like there's a weird thing. Or yeah, there's I don't know. But the, the guy, guy blows, blows up. up. Yeah, John Favreau is hurt real bad. Yeah, gets real hurt and up by he that gets guy blowing up. Thrown into the hospital. The Mandarin takes responsibility for this. And Tony sees that that video taking responsibility. And Tony, as he's exiting the hospital, is like swarmed by reporters. And they're he's, like, "Are you going to do something?" And he's pissed. And he's pissed because it's personal. And he's also losing. Like he's like on the edge. He's been pushed to the edge. Well, and beyond that, like there is this constant external pressure. It's like you saved us from those aliens. Why can't you fix every problem, Iron mm-hmm. Man? And so they ask him if he's going to do something, and he basically says, it's personal. If the Mandarin wants to fight man-to-man, then he can come and find me. And Tony reveals his address. <laughs> Which is a great sequence. Excellent sequence. Totally on brand. Totally insane. Yes. Um, I believe that we then cut to Tony arrives at home, and Pepper is packing her bags. Yeah, she's trying to get out of there because she's like, I am with you, this insane you, robot man. You literally just gave our address to a terrorist. What were you thinking? Uh, meanwhile, Maya Hansen shows up at their house. Which is, I wanna, like. I just think it's great that like an ex shows up at this moment. Oh, my I God. I think that that's just like, really fun. So brutal, dude. It's, it's just It just like complicates a complicated situation further in such a funny way. Yeah, well... Things go very badly because she's like, we need to get out of here right now. You don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. And Pepper is like, I agree. We do need to get out of here. And Maya's like, we need to get out. We need to talk. And Tony is like, this is the safest place on earth. I am Iron Man. Yeah. And meanwhile, we get this like ride of the Valkyries cut to these helicopters incoming. One of the people in the helicopters is the bad henchman. Yeah. And here, this is one of your favorite scenes. This is my favorite action sequence in any of these movies. I love it. So run me through it. The helicopters show up and they just start rocketing the building. Tony, like the building, which is right over the sea, right? In this is Tony's house, yeah. like it's on a cliff face, and these helicopters are shooting rockets into it. Tony calls the suit to himself. It kind of gets to him, but it kind of doesn't work right. He like can't shoot the rockets off of it. It doesn't have like its jump jets fully capable and all that. He like at one point opens up the arm with his hand and just throws one of the rockets into a helicopter and it blows up, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, but actually, I, when he calls it at first, he doesn't actually call it to himself. No, there's a giant explosion. And he like and throws the danger. suit with his mind yeah. onto Pepper, who shields the other girl. Who shields Maya, yeah. And, and Pepper then, clearly kind of like has had enough experience like being around these suits that she knows what to do and is able to shield Maya and the two of them kind of get to safety. And she's able to drive the suit, you realize. And then But Tony is naked with no suit. Right. So then Tony is getting beat up because he is just a dude. Eventually the suit returns to Tony. 
as the building like falls into the sea because the jets don't work it on is his just suit. Crumbling into the sea. It's he, really, really beautifully shot. Awesome. Yeah. He falls into the ocean and then for the first time in any of these movies you go like, Oh yeah, iron's real heavy. Yeah. <laughs> like we've never really encountered a scenario where it's like, Oh yeah, it's a huge liability to be Iron Man underwater. And the suit is like flickering and he's literally being like pushed down by a giant piece of concrete yeah he gets stuck in some rebar so he's like pinned there are great internal helmet shots where there's like water bubbling around and you're like tony stark is going to die uh and he like pulls himself out of this with the suit right in a nice little thing where like the suit grabs his own hand which is fun yeah uh and gets him out and then the suit just like the his house is totally gone yeah Pepper and Maya are, we presume, safe because like the rockets don't want to kill have, them. And absconded, and the the helicopters are like, we did our job, and they're leaving. Exactly. And then Jarvis just blasts Tony to the last place that was put into the suit's coordinates, and that actually was Tennessee, because Tony earlier evaluated places where explosions like the Chinese theater explosion happened and found that there have been a series of them that are attributed to the Mandarin, and there's one explosion that fits the same profile, but that nobody is connected to the Mandarin that no one, happened yeah, in no Tennessee. No one's taking responsibility for it. So Tony, now unconscious because of like the physical trauma, is in the suit, which is being being like traveling overland to Tennessee. Yeah. Tony comes to as he is landing, and Jarvis is just like on his last dregs and just like basically plows through a bunch of snow because, as a reminder, it's Christmas time, in case you <laughs> forgot. It is Christmas time. Um, so yeah, Tony goes like flying that like through a bunch of trees and shit. He's in the snow. Um, he has to get out of the suit and basically trudge carrying the suit with him as far as he possibly can and ends up at a like weird little garage where there's a kid who is a precocious child who likes to build things. Yeah. A young Tony ish. Yes. A young, a young Tony stand in. Um, and this is one of the fuzzier parts of the movie for me there's just stuff that like i just don't remember because it kind of doesn't because none of it matters yeah and it's not unlike a lot of the other stuff that doesn't matter some of which we will touch on like some of the stuff with the kid is not my favorite but i don't we can hate talk about it that later so tony's going around he's investigating what happened he, he is, needs to, he needs to get some like stuff for the suit to right fix the suit so, and the kid is helping him out basically this kid who doesn't seem to have any parental exactly which is part of the plot i think there's like this kid is sort of isolated doesn't like tony doesn't really have an active parental force in his life exactly and the weirdest part about this movie is that now tony is like investigating this explosion that happened in this small town yeah he's wandering around in tennessee doing basically nothing to disguise himself and i want to remind the audience tony stark six months prior to this flew a robot suit into a wormhole in the sky above New York. Yeah. Tony Stark has never hidden his identity. Tony Stark has told the world that he is Iron Man. And Tony Stark was, prior to that event, one of the most famous people on Earth. No one in Tennessee is at all perturbed by this. He is not mobbed on the streets. Nobody is coming up to him and being like, you are the dude that flew into the wormhole. He's just out and about, kind of like wearing a hoodie. I think that this just is, you know, drawing, you know, a connection between like how different filter bubbles. Yeah. yeah. He goes into a bar. <laughs> he's in a real bubble right now. No. He's in a, in a like Southern Republican bubble where he, no one is interested in rich the media alien man. attack that yeah. happened in New York to those rich liberal yeah. elites. <laughs> it is so silly to me. And it's one of the weird things where the movie is so dependent on the idea that this was this huge traumatic event for Tony, which would make sense if it was like a car crash or something that nobody else would care. Yeah. But it is instead the fact that he rode a nuclear bomb into a wormhole outer space, shot an alien ship. I People I to- would know his I face. totally agree with you. It's absurd. Somehow it never occurred to oh, me. Oh, it just it just grated on me so bad. I was just like, how is this happening? But Tony is playing like private eye. Yes. Basically. He's in the town playing private eye. He has a few more panic attacks. The kid kind of like cracks wise with him. Um, and Tony sees the site of the bombing. And he gathers some information on the bomber. And at one point, he goes to uh, a bar to meet up with the bomber's wife or mother? Mom. mom. And the mom has some information about her son, like his his documents from, from when he was in the army. Yep. And Tony gets these from her. And he sees this like 
piece of paper that says MIA on it. And he's like, well, this doesn't really tell me anything. But then he flips it over. But then he flips it over. And it says aim. Oh. They don't actually do this, but mentally we want you guys to cut to ugly guy Pierce, if you can imagine it, wearing a t shirt in nineteen ninety nine in an it. elevator with Tony like, Stark. That's a cool shirt. I'll yeah. remember it. Um at this exact moment, a weird glowing lady shows up and begins attacking Tony. The only people who recognize Tony Stark are weird glowing people. Yeah. So this weird glowing lady is there, as well as the henchman who also now glows. Yes, uh, they all glow. The like, henchman of Guy Pierce from earlier. Yeah, red, red glowy people, and there's a big fight scene that ensues. Tony is able to um, take care of the glowing lady, but like the glowing henchman escapes somehow. Well, isn't this where he, Tony? Oh no, yeah, Tony like escapes. Yeah, Tony gets away. Yeah, Tony gets. And away. And then like he gets in a car and he starts driving, and um, he's driving to like where Aim is. Where Aim is, which is in Miami. So he's like the Mandarin is clearly connected with Aim. Oh, but which he, is at some point in here he went into that TV truck. Oh yeah, we skipped the TV truck. He has to find the location of the of like the Aim like business yeah so, there's a they bunch have, of stuff knows, that happens he, like, in here he, where like, he finds out that there's out. a compound but there's this great sequence in a tv truck where the only person in tennessee who knows who tony stark is is yeah it's this dude who's like like tony is just like it's like this i don't even remember what the sequence was with it. like there's i guess that there's just like explosions everywhere so a tv crew arrives and tony like knocks on the door of one of these tv trucks and the i think guy, it's like there's like a beauty pageant happening not explosions okay i don't even know this movie is very strange it is it is so it, weird. it goes from a first act that is just like tight and classic strong. tight strong and then the second act where they're just like what if he was in tennessee there's a weird kid we'll have a beauty pageant also glowing people Dude, it is all over the place. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is a great sequence that I feel like is not done justice in a recap. No. But there is a scene in which a man has a tattoo of Tony Stark that when Tony sees it says, is that a Hispanic Scott Baio? And it is one of the great lines. There's just the idea of Tony Stark interacting with super fans is yeah. terrific. I'm so glad they included this scene. The fact that these people don't exist everywhere, given that this man saved us from aliens. Shocks me, but okay. Um, meanwhile, the yes. Mandarin has taken over all of the TV channels for a sequence in which he has like captured a government official. Like a senator or something like that. And he's like, like I'm going to shoot this dude in the head. If the president doesn't call me in the next minute. And then and the then president... This gives us Folds. the opportunity to meet the president for the first time. Yes. Remember, there was an alien invasion about which the president seemingly did nothing. <laughs> But I guess there was a president that whole time. Now we meet him. Arguably, the president was maybe part of that global global group that wanted to Perhaps. Nuke. Yeah, but we, none of this is clear. We meet the, the old white dude Marvel's who's running take, U.S. Marvel's take on this is that the president is not very important. Clearly. We meet the president, yeah. uh, and he is like, I have to call. I can't let this he, dude get this shot is, on this TV. This president negotiates with terrorists. Exactly. Yeah. He picks up the phone. The Mandarin lets the phone ring and shoots the dude in the head. This tells us that the Mandarin is a very bad terrorist. He's worse than he was before. This is, and it's like very timely because terrorists are timely, unlike supervillains. This is commentary, my friends. Yeah, exactly. So Tony, um, mean, oh, also meanwhile, Pepper and Maya. We have to, we can't forget about Pepper and Maya. Great point, great point. Pepper and Maya uh, have a conversation which is initially about like uh, various I, I can't remember. Various men. They're talking about men for a while. And I remember sitting on the couch being like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And at some point, they stop talking about men and they talk about Maya's career. They do. And that's the point when the Marvel movies for the first time pass the Bechdel test. It's a big moment for everyone. Which is kind of amazing that it took us this long. But at the same time, it's amazing that it happened at all. Yes. Agreed. Uh but it's brief because Maya then <laughs> reveals they're only talking about Maya's career for a little while when the door opens and in walks handsome guy Pierce and Maya's like, oh, BT dubs, fuck you. I am evil. I am evil. And they capture Gwyneth Paltrow. What are they going to do with her? Shoot her up with a fire juice. We'll find out, I was going to say, but you just cut right Oh, there. you they didn't want to bury that lead. They shoot her up with the fire juice. <laughs> The fire drug that all these people yeah. who glow have been taking. So, meanwhile, cut back to Tony, who now realizes that the Mandarin is broadcasting from a compound in Miami. 
So Tony Stark's off to figure that out. Meanwhile, the oh, U.S. God. government. Yeah, I forgot that there's another meanwhile. Dude, the U.S. government is like, the Mandarin just shot a dude on live TV. We got to go get that guy. Call in the Iron Patriot. Don Cheadle gets in the suit. And Love Don Cheadle, by the way. We do. He's amazing. He gets in the suit, and he goes to fly to where they think the Mandarin is. It turns out it's just a sweatshop. The thing was a trap. He is fought by fire people. The fire people imprison him. They subdue him. Who are these fire people? Do they work for Guy Pierce? Probably. Definitely. <laughs> they uh, capture him, and then we can just skip through this portion, because what they do is essentially lay their hands upon his suit to the point that he is eventually unable to stay in it I love because it gets said, so hot. You said we could skip through this portion, but describe exactly what happens anyway. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying that like this might not. Oh, there's probably other things sequentially. That this yes. might not be what is happening. We are but cutting they, in between they various sequences. Force Don Cheadle to remove the suit, and yes. now he is just Don Cheadle. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> which isn't that bad. All no, things considered, pretty good deal. you have to be somebody. <laughs> oh yeah, I would much prefer. Okay, um, so Tony in his car driving <laughs> south to Miami. Um, Going to welcome, Miami. Welcome to Miami, Tony. Tony, like, cut to Miami. Um, Tony is infiltrating a compound like some sort of very lame James Bond. Budget James Bond. <laughs> He's made, like, all of these weird, like, kind of, like, pseudo Iron Man glove things where he can, like, shoot balls that, like... He can just, like, electrocute people yeah, for a like, short time. <laughs> he basically has a taser. <laughs> and then, like, I think he takes somebody's gun, I think he maybe. shoots people yeah. in the face He definitely kills, he kills some people. Oh, yeah. Um, without question. Uh, Tony then gets inside. He has a gun. He is ready to kill the Mandarin, and he's, like, wandering around inside this this compound. And he gets to... He's, we see, like, where the Mandarin has been filming his videos, and then we see, like, these like random ladies who seem like they are definitely on drugs hanging around and like something's kind of off something's off tony rounds a corner and he finds like this bed and like a bunch of beer cans and like this lazy boy and then we hear a toilet flush (laughs) and out of the bathroom comes ben kingsley speaking with a british accent that he did not have before as the mandarin (laughs) and we quickly learn through a series of exchanges that Ben Kingsley, as the Mandarin, is just an actor who has been hired. His name is Trevor. And he has a drug problem. And he has a drug problem, but he's also an actor. Thespian. A thespian. Um, and he's been hired to portray the Mandarin. Doesn't believe that anything he's doing is real. <laughs> Thinks that this has all been fake. Um, and is completely not complicit in anything that is going on, apparently. Yeah, he is just an actor who is being controlled by... Guy Pierce, yes, to be the Mandarin, he a is terrifying a terrorist. So Tony is as confused as you might be, and they take the opportunity. Some bad guys take the opportunity to subdue him, and Tony is trapped. <sighs> take a breather. Let's take a break. <laughs> this is by far the most complicated of them all. Like yes. this is the most difficult to because. The problem is that so little of it actually impacts the arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so many of my favorite parts are the parts that don't impact the All arc, of it. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Tony is captured. Um, Rebecca Hall as Maya is there and she's talking with Tony and she's like, I was bad all along. And you're like, why are you in this and movie? And you're like, like, what was your purpose? And Tony's like, you're not really bad. We had sex once. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have sex with bad people, <laughs> which seems to be his logic. And he's like trying to, he's like, you don't want to do this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and she's like, oh, but I do. And then Guy Pierce comes in and he's like, shut up, Maya. It's all my plan. I am the bad guy. (laughs) As determined by Marvel CEOs, I am the real bad guy. Duh. (laughs) And we're like, yes, you are a man. You are definitely the real bad guy. Right. Um, And so, like, Guy Pierce basically gives, like, one of his bad guy speeches. And meanwhile, Maya's like, is this what I signed up for? And Tony is, like, appealing to Maya. And he's like, you don't want to do this. And Maya's like, hey, Guy Pierce. Maybe we don't want to do this. Hold on a second. Guy Pierce shoots her. <laughs> and that she, is the end of her arc. She literally falls off screen and we never see her again. She is dead. She is just gone. 
It is. We are laughing, but this is like one of the most atrocious it and dumbest. So terrible. Outright, I would say outright misogynistic in offensive, many ways. Offensive, offensive, meaningless deaths <laughs> yes. I have ever seen. And we'll get more into this in like our our actual reactions to the movie after we are done recapping it. But meanwhile, Guy Pierce is like, "Okay, I've got a date with your girlfriend, Tony. We have to inject her with fire serum." <laughs> yeah, we're juicing her up, and we're we, and then like cut to like Pepper being getting injections, and then you just see Gwyneth Paltrow's abs flexing, and it's just like, "Damn, Gwyneth Paltrow!" You've been doing Pilates, <laughs> yeah. and now they are on fire. Holy shit! Feeling the burn. Um, he, Guy Pierce leaves like two cronies to like deal with Tony, and they're just like, "There's like all of a sudden we get more Shane Black like back and forth yep. banter, which." I prefer to Joss Whedon banter personally. Agreed. I love it. So um, I enjoy this. And Tony is like, you guys, like, in 30 seconds, you're going to really wish that you would let me go. And they're like, why? And Tony's like, 30 seconds past. And Tony's like, maybe in another 30 seconds. Meanwhile, we cut to the kid who forgot that he did that he had barricaded his garage, which is now, like, pounding the door is pounding and he opens the garage and like parts of the iron man suit just start like flying out of the garage in tennessee um apparently it takes about 30 seconds to travel iron man speed from tennessee to miami that's a good point yeah that's pretty oh, I, yeah that was the point that stuck out to me in this i year. never i never considered that anyway tony like gets his glove back the rest of the iron man suit is slow in coming and he like blasts these two dudes away um, deals with some more henchmen. One of my favorite parts in the movie is when he's about to kill the final henchman who drops his gun and says, I don't like working here. These people are weird. Yeah, <laughs> and then runs so away. <laughs> um, in the meantime, now Tony is reunited with Don Cheadle. They're having a great time. They're just bros being bros. In the meantime, the a bad henchman disguised as the Iron Patriot has boarded Air Force One with the president. Pretending that he is Don Cheadle in the Iron Patriot armor. And pretending that he is going to protect and the this president. And this is Guy Pierce's plan, clearly. Yeah. Uh, Air Force One goes up. Bad things start happening. The Iron Patriot turns on all of the staff and just starts killing people and punches a hole in the plane. Well, no, it's that there's an explosion on the plane because the one fire dude is on the plane now. Well, as, he's in. He uh, was the Iron yeah. Patriot. He like takes a he suit takes it off. off or whatever. But then like so then he kidnaps in Iron Patriot suit, kidnaps the president, flies away. Meanwhile, Air Force One is depressurized. Un- depressurized. People are f- falling out. Iron Man comes to the rescue. Tony comes up and in a great sequence, really, really clever, like smart. Like when you're like, we don't want to do a battle scene, but how do we do like a tense scene? A good action sequence. A good action sequence that doesn't have any fighting with a ticking clock. Tony has to rescue all the people who are falling toward the the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. And like, and like kind of. They're, they literally mention Barrel of Monkeys in this, and it is the most apt description for how Tony saves everybody's life. Yeah, they just form a chain of people yeah, Tony, in the air. And Tony like slows them down and drops them like kind of like softly into the ocean and is then flying across one of like some Florida causeway when a truck barrels into the Iron Man suit and totals it. Yeah, the suit just explodes apart, and you're like, how could this have happened? Tony, no. Cut to Tony Stark crouched in a boat that he and Don Cheadle have apparently they stolen. They just found a boat. I think they actually show them finding a okay. boat. Yeah, they, when they've they stolen escape a boat, the and Tony Stark is now crouched in the bathroom of the boat or something, yeah. driving the Iron Man suit remotely as we saw him do earlier. As we saw him do earlier. Film. Yes, nice, nice setup there, Shane Black. Well very, done. Very, very good. Uh, okay. We're almost, we're almost to the end. We're on I the know, we're so close. In the movie, there's like 40 minutes left, but I think we're going to recap this next part really fast. So the president is now hung up in a ship boneyard or Like whatever. an oil tanker. So there's a bunch yeah. of oil tankers around. The president is strung up in a Christ pose like uh, the lead singer of Creed in the Hire video <laughs> wearing the Iron Patriot suit. And they're about to make an example of him because the Mandarin is bad. Guy Pierce reveals that he's doing this here. Are they literally going to tear him apart William Wallace style? I don't know. It's unclear. Like, but, make an example of him how. It was uh, not clear. I, they probably say. But Guy Pierce wants to do it here because he's staging everything as the Mandarin. And the Mandarin hates that there was an oil tanker spill at one point. Deepwater Horizon really, lingers hard. Yeah. What he's doing. The vice president, we learn, has a daughter who's an amputee. Vice president played by um, the dude who is who from Twin Peaks, who is David Lynch's partner. That's his partner on That's, Twin Peaks. That is true yeah. and has no bearing on this film. Oh, but I love that guy. <laughs> he died recently. Oh, R.I.P. No. 
so he's playing the vice president yeah. and his daughter is an amputee and for that reason he is like in guy pierce's pocket so guy because Pierce, he wants to give his daughter her limbs back right doesn't know doesn't know that this tends to explode people too right right oh thing that guy pierce definitely wouldn't reveal no um but guy pierce is like working with that guy and has that guy in his pocket and so, so wants to eliminate government. the president yeah. so he can have a puppet government but he's Casting this as the Mandarin is angry about oil. None of this matters anymore because we're coming up on the final fight scene. Tony and Don Cheadle uh, arrive at the oil tanker ship graveyard and they're like, we could just like take all these people out with our guns. But Tony is a bad shot. Don Cheadle is a very good shot. And then Tony's like, no, I have a better idea. And he calls in all of his Iron Man suits that he had created during his manic period. Yeah, and now they're all here, and they're all like actually just drones in a callback to Iron Man Two, where yes. they're all the drones. But these are all Iron Man drones. They're fighting all the people. Uh, Guy Pierce is there. Bunch of people are fighting. Everybody's fighting Iron Man suits. Tony is like jumping around into different Iron Man suits until they like blow up because the fire people are able to destroy them because everybody's a fire person. And he's blowing people up. Yeah, people we, are blowing we missed up. the point where Guy Pierce is able to breathe fire. By the way, oh, at one which point, is demonstrated Pier- at one point in the movie, <laughs> just it's like burps fire at somebody <laughs> like he like goes full bowser and like <laughs> it is so stupid it is it so is dumb so stupid he never does it again it is so stupid but anyway bunch of fire people people are fighting tony's like i'm gonna go for guy pierce because that's how this works guy pierce is like i have your girlfriend pepper's like no you don't and like tony and pepper are like running away and then pepper, pepper gets pinned in some sort of she's pepper is like like falls and like and like grabs onto like I don't know, a rafter or something. Tony's right above her and he's like, give me your hand. You have to trust me. Give me your hand. You have to let go uh-huh. and I'll grab you. She lets go. Tony fails to grab her and Pepper falls into a fiery mess or like a pit. Yeah, and we assume that Pepper is dead. R.I.P. Pepper. Guy Pierce and Tony, Tony continue yeah. fighting. Because it's, it's even more personal <laughs> than it was before. Happy is one thing, right. but like, yeah, Pepper's another. Also, these are people's names. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts. Sometimes you forget you're watching a comic book movie. And then you go, but I love alliteration, and comic books do too. (laughs) These were all characters created in 1958. So anyways, they're punching each other a bunch, and then... Tony Stark and Guy Pearce are like on the ground, and you're like, man, it's looking bad for Tony. He's about to die. And you also learn that Guy Pearce has some dope tribal tats. Oh, I forgot about those. What do you think they mean? I think they mean that he's the Mandarin. (laughs) He's uh, just as un-PC as the Mandarin is. Yeah, basically. Um, so yeah, Guy Pierce is literally about to like rip Tony's heart out. And yeah. all of a sudden, he just gets blindsided by like a giant piece of rebar. Cut to Pepper is still alive because she got the fire injection. Yeah, she was a fire person. So apparently she died and then regrew her whole body. Or something. <laughs> or something. And then she has the iron man arm on and she shoots guy pierce into like an exploding barrel and he blows up and we're like finally he's dead because i think there's like two fake outs in between all of yeah he almost dies a bunch uh so then he dies and tony's like oh my god you're alive thank goodness and pepper's like (laughs) yeah i just saved your thank you saved your ass your thankless ass and uh tony's like you know what i'm gonna do for you i'm gonna blow up all my iron man suits and cue a fireworks display (laughs) which is like they could have done this whole sequence and the whole movie would have made more sense if he had built like 10 iron man suits in that time but now they do this thing where they all fly into the air and blow up and it's like a fireworks show and you're like well i guess he had to make a bunch of them for this dumb thematic thing where we show a bunch of blowing up things is stupid it is then we get voiceover. Yeah, we return sequence. to the voiceover. The first time since the very beginning of the movie, you remember that this is a voiceover movie. Yeah. Which is actually a Shane Black thing. It's a very Shane Black thing. Yeah. Um, and we find out that Tony ends up having his arc reactor taken out. He's able to cure Pepper of the fire serum, whatever it is. Yeah. He's able to re- remove it from her so she no longer has to regrow limbs if she should die. But she also won't blow up randomly. But he he takes the arc reactor out of his chest and has the metal parts that were in his chest and about to kill him removed. Removed, Which is one of those things I'm like, wait, could he have done that the whole time? The technology didn't exist earlier. It's it's not clear to me. No, movie ends with him taking the arc reactor from his chest and throwing it into the sea. Uh, which is weird because I feel like there's a lot of competitors that would like to find that arc reactor. Um, But he does that and he gets in his car and he says, I am Iron Man. Cut to credits. Cut to credits. Uh, and it's kind of a letdown because we're like, 
I thought you just said that you were an Iron Man. It anymore. just seemed a lot like you were hanging up the mantle of being yeah. Iron Man, and that you are instead Tony Stark. And that is Iron Man three. Yeah, that's Iron Man three. How long did that take us, Bob? I don't even want to know. I don't. 50 minutes. Shit. Well, we've got a lot of thick episodes coming your Dude, way, that, clearly. We if this have, is any we have got to get better at this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, oh, In geez. any case, what do you think of this movie? <sighs> Nobody's listening at this point, but for those of you, myself, who hung that around. Li- that literally took longer than the Avengers. And the movie, but the movie itself is an hour and a half that was that's an hour hour 10 minutes yeah man we, we almost spent half the movie describing what happens in the movie i am incredibly disappointed in us and i'm sorry to but we listener. peppered it with a lot of like insight and, and it made me happy yes i hope it made you guys happy too so did you like this movie or not did this movie make you happy uh it's weird man thematically this is like my favorite of the marvel movies in a lot of ways 100 percent, i'm with you i love i love Tony Stark being affected by PTSD. I think that in many ways, like the one-liner writing in this movie is my favorite of the Marvel movies. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best one-liners. It's so snappy. No I feel like Shane Black and uh, Robert Downey Jr. together understand what Tony needs to be like better mm-hmm. than anybody. The effects in this movie are great. I'm embarrassed by how hot, like high my heart rate got during the sequence where they blow up his house. Like I was just so invested it's in it. It's an incredible sequence. It ma- it's I, like, so beautifully shot. It ended and, and I, I was shocked by how good it was. Like yeah. I could not believe how much I genuinely worried about this character. And then there is an entire plot with a bunch of people who can breathe fire. Uh, that Guy enters Pierce, that enters like exactly at like the second in the second act. Yeah, Guy Pierce does not need to be in this movie. If if Maya whatever was just the main villain, it's a much stronger movie. Apparently, which was the original plan? Apparently, apparently yeah. the original script that was the case. Apparently, before they showed it to test audiences, this movie ends with him saying, "I am Tony Stark." Really? And test audiences didn't understand that, so he says, "I am Iron Man." No. Guess what? That's that Tennessee was for the you. wrong choice. <laughs> I can't believe that. Like this movie, it's this movie has all the pieces. And if you outlined it for me in, I don't know, a summary that would take an hour. Yeah. Uh that would take less than an hour. That had no specifics. If you outlined the general arc of it, right? And you said, like, this is what is going to happen in this movie. Tony Stark is going to be afflicted in this way. There is going to be an enemy that can be anywhere at any time that will be able to just like jump out of nothing and, and hurt him and he won't be able to like know and prepare. Yeah. And his relationship and Pepper's relationship will be strained like this. And at the end of it, he is going to renounce being Iron Man. I would say, man, that sounds like a great movie. And yet somehow... And it's going to have great one-liners. Yeah. And there's a sequence where a man has a Tony Stark tattoo. Exactly. Yeah. But somehow they manage to clutter it up, get in the way of itself, and make it not what it can be. So if you had asked me before we started this project, what is your favorite Marvel movie... And I said, can I say none of them? And you said, no. <laughs> I would say Iron Man 3. I had um, never seen this movie before. I had seen it previously. And I think that everything in this movie... I Just quickly run through some of the things that I love. The first, I think the first act is perfect. Great. I think it is, it is better than the first act of Iron Man, the original Iron Man. In a I sense. don't agree with that, but... Okay. okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I just th- I just think that like it improves on it just from like a wit and wisecracking kind of like Tony Stark feels extremely real. He feels and very real, yeah. very real. And and like, but I also yeah, I'm sympathetic to anybody who thinks that Iron Man is better too. Um, I think that so much works. I love the Mandarin twist personally, and I think we should talk about that in a moment. Yeah, but I think that the biggest issue with this movie is not the dumb second act. It's not even the fire people. I think it is the Guy Pierce yep. Rebecca Hall issue. Which he is, just doesn't need to be in the movie. He doesn't need to be in the movie. Um, it's so the question is: someone could argue that like either she doesn't need to be in the movie or she doesn't need to be in the movie. Sure, but it's much more interesting if she's in the movie than if he's in the movie. Definitely. A because like she's a much more sympathetic and interesting character. So watching her turn from being someone who is genuinely interested in helping people to becoming, um, whatever, I don't know. She ends up becoming, cause we don't well, know. It's, cause it didn't, it's so it didn't unclear get to play like, out. what she what is would have happened doing. With her. Yeah. Why is as she as part of this guy Pierce operation? Yeah, it makes no sense. Why does she have an investment in guy Pierce's operation? It's not clear. And the weakness there and like, which some people might be able to overlook, but to me seems like such evidence of 
A, studio meddling, and B, just like a script that clearly didn't come together until shooting is just like un, kind of unforgivable. It's it's just bad. Yeah. It's just bad. And I, man, it's just such a problem when so much of a movie seems to understand exactly what I want from a character mm-hmm. and seems to understand what it needs to do with that character. And then the execution across the board just starts to fall apart. It really hurts. I mean, villain problems are pretty common in, in superhero movies. Yeah, but, but this rarely, is... rarely are they as egregious as this. Yeah, this is just bad. Yeah. So there's the Mandarin twist. I, which I am a big fan of. The first time I watched that, I was totally taken aback, and I remember like laughing. Well, I mean, probably because I... Ben Kingsley is so good. Oh, he sells. He's it. He's so good at that twist. Yeah. And I love the entire how you are suckered into this like. Oh, terrorist, timely. He's kind of doing like a Bane accent. I'm not totally on board with that, but I see what they're trying to do. Um, and then like you're kind of played for a sucker. I guess. I feel like... That That's how I read it The anyway. problem with that for me is that when he is... Something about like the terrorist videos felt off to me. I think they're meant and to, And I think though. they're meant to, yeah. but I think that when I was seeing them initially, I didn't buy them entirely you know because they felt off yes and that's tricky because that's a very that's like a tightrope that you have to walk if you're shane black i mean they have this look of like the dude who did the credits for seven was given a bunch of like jihadist like like video to to cut together and it's like it's both like poorly done and also too slick it looks too slick. Too slick. Yes. That's the problem. And I think that like it's complicated because at the end of the day, that all makes sense within the story, the narrative, that it should be a little yep. bit too slick, that it is overproduced. Yep. Um but I just like thematically really like that they are able to do that in the middle of a summer blockbuster superhero movie, that they are able to insert this twist in which the the like looming, almost mythical villain is not at all what you thought it was. Yeah. But I feel like then it's the the bigger issue is that it's not backed up by a credible actual right bad guy. Because yes. when you actually 100%. see who the bad guy is, it's a person that you still don't understand. No, there's no motivation other than he wants to have a puppet government. We don't know why. Maybe it's because he used to be ugly. I don't know, man. It's just not good. No, unfortunately, because there are such highs in this movie. Um the, like really the, the, suit, the first act is just incredible. The suit just feels like a liability and that's such a great move for it. Yeah, when he's as you pointed out the symbolism of him sinking oh, to the bottom of the ocean awesome. after yeah, it's it's dare I say excellent. Like <laughs> I mean, powerful, it is. like it emotionally is. It affecting. It was emotionally affecting. Yeah. Like it is rough. Uh and uh it just makes me sad that this can't be my favorite Marvel movie because it has the parts. Like, they knew what they needed to do. They just failed to put it together. Like, they are Tony Stark commanding it to come to them, and they only get the arm. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is a bummer. And, yeah, uh, yeah was, there was something else I wanted to touch on that was just like, God, why didn't this get better? But I mean, the whole second act with the kid in the town in in Tennessee, I want to like it more than I do. Because I love the idea that Tony is separated from his suit. Tony has to become like a sleuth. And then he like he has to he's forced to kind of bond with this kid who is frank about a lot of issues and is like kind of like a mini Tony Stark. And so Tony is also like coming to grips with like his own childhood and things that I think would be really interesting to explore as well. But it doesn't quite do it well enough. And it's also just. I like that it's all set at Christmas, but it feels like a little much. It is. It's far too much. Yeah, it's a bit much. There's just too... This movie wants to be a tight 90 minutes. Yes. And it is not. I think it's two hours and 10 minutes. Yeah, or it's like just that. too long. There's too much stuff in it. There's too much plot. It was so difficult to recap. It was harder to recap than any of the other ones. Well, also, like, how do you recap a scene like with the uh, the dude in the news van? Which right. is one of the, truly one of the most joyous moments in Incredible this movie. Incredible scene. It's a, it's a wonderful scene, but you can't recap it. And also, like, it has no place there. But it does in the sense that I think you need those sorts of sequences. And that's why it's so irritating to me that people don't mm-hmm. recognize him. Like, the flip side and part of the driving energy behind his 
panic issues is that he is always recognized. Yeah. And so you kind of actually need that scene. And it's like there there needs to be both sides of that, right? There needs to be the fact that he is hounded by the press and the fact that like he is beloved by people because both of those things like apply pressure to Tony Stark. Yeah. And that is interesting. But they use it in this spot that's like you need comic relief here, but this isn't the right spot for it, even though I love the scene. And and also there's been all of this other these other attempts at comic relief using the kid before that. And I don't hate the kid. I, I, I'm going to come out and say, I actually don't like the kid. I like the idea of the kid. Yeah. I don't like the kid as executed. I mean, we didn't really talk about the kid at all. So no, I think it's better because he's not important. Yeah. Well, I mean, we still filled 50 minutes. <sighs> this movie frustrates me more than any of the other ones. I mean, that's, I think we're going to come to this in like literally maybe a minute, but one of my favorite things about it is also how frustrating it is because it is the most auteurish of all of them. This, well, that's, the- it is the most, it has the most stamp like like this is this particular director's vision and for i'd say like 45 percent of the movie it is so synced that it's just perfect i i agree i agree it also though seems to jettison some things that i kind of expect Hmm. where it doesn't have like the acdc and stuff and that sounds silly, true. but like that, that's sort that. of something that's like it replaces it with with little Christmas Christmas songs instead. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like there's a part of it that feels like it's different. It loses the hot rod nature, yeah. of Tony, and, and it, replaces it with a lot of the more introspective, like broken psyche aspect of Tony. And that's okay. Yeah, but they are two very different things. But like yeah. you know, he's in the car at the end, and it's like, what should he be listening yeah, to? Why or why aren't we back? Yeah, in like why? Yeah. or like the credits. You know, like why don't the end credits? And the end credits in this when they play are scenes from all the previous Iron Man movies is very clear that they're like, this is the end of Iron Man of Iron Man. And I will admit as is his, his arc for these three movies, you know, watching that sequence, I was like, man, I have enjoyed the Iron Man movies. Yeah. I have enjoyed getting here. Yeah. So I, I thought like there's a reason why Iron Man tend, these tend to be the best movies in this, in this franchise. And that could just be for us, but man, I just like Tony Stark. He's, he's a really Really interesting character. He's a really good and character. And he also has a lot of great side characters. I like Pepper a lot. Yeah, she's good. I, Pepper in the suit, I love it. Yeah. I'm like, more Pepper wearing the Iron Man suit. Make yeah. that happen. Yeah, what would what would that movie be called? That movie would be called Iron Maiden, and I will be producing it myself. Uh, I'm going to make a trailer. The trailer is going to end with the music cue you will hear right now. I'll watch so, it. <laughs> is yeah, it time? I think it's time. Okay. For those who have been following along, our current ranking of the Marvel movies is as follows. Number one, Iron Man. Number two, The Avengers. Number three, Iron Man 2. Number four, Captain America, The First Avenger. Number five, Thor. And all the way at number 23? The Incredible Incredible Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) So... Where does this movie fit in? And I also, I mean, I think it's always reasonable for us to reshuffle, you know what I mean, if we want, but... I agree. Um, although that's going to become harder and harder to do in our heads as this goes along. We'll start writing it I down. just realized that we need to write this list down. <laughs> I had the same exact realization yeah. when I started doing this. I think, I think this goes... Personally, I think this goes at, at slot two, but I know you're never going to agree to that. And I do agree that like the Avengers is the better movie. I just like Iron Man three more. So I would I would guess that we would put this at three because it's definitely better than Iron Man two. It is definitely better than Iron Man two, but I don't think it is like so much better than Iron Man two. And I feel oh, like I we do. are doing a grave disservice to Captain America. And now we have boxed ourselves into a know, horrible I corner. So. I know you don't <laughs> think that, but that's the problem. I really don't think so. I think that the Captain American can just keep slipping. Slipping, slipping. Dude, I don't think this movie is the third best movie. What if we put this in third and we swap Iron Man 2 and Captain America? I I will accept that. All right. This is negotiations. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. that That is reasonable to me. Okay. So the new order is at number one, the Avengers. Nope. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh god. At number one, Iron Man. At number two, The Avengers. At number three, Iron Man three. At number four, Captain America: The First Avenger. At number five, Iron Man two. At number six, Thor. And at number twenty-three, The Incredible Hulk. I like that you say them now as though you are reading the Greek alphabet while a match burns in your hand <laughs> during Pledge Week. <laughs> like, I got to get through these as quick as I can I know before I, can I forget. It. I know I can do it. Do, do we agree on this this ranking? I agree on it, though. I think it's kind of weird. Did you? Which movie affected you more, Captain America or Iron Man 3? I, 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 Iron Man 3, but I think Iron Man 3 is a worse movie, though I think that its highs are higher. That's the problem. That's the thing that's getting to me right now. You just think objectively... It is a worse movie. I just think, yeah, I think that... But subjectively, you prefer it. Subjectively, I prefer the scenes I like in Iron Man 3 to the scenes I like overall in Captain America, but I think Captain America is a better movie. This is... I think this reveals a lot about how you and I view things insofar as that I will always prefer scenes over holistic, like, quality, and... Like, if this was just rated on the action sequence where his house falls into the ocean, I would give this movie... And, like, when he walks out of that bar and his suit is just parked, I would give this movie number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. But this movie is not that good. No, because it falls apart. Because it's not... It it is the suit getting hit by the truck. Like, (laughs) like, honestly, the great action sequence followed by the suit getting hit by a truck and exploding is the metaphor for this film. Uh, and so, ah, it just, it kills me, but it, yeah, I'll, I'll go I with mean, it. you got, you got your Captain America got bumped up or no, it didn't lose a place. Yeah. Captain didn't America lose didn't a lose a place. Iron Man 2 lost a spot. Yeah. Which I, I think is right. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Fair enough. Let's talk about the post credit scene and then let's fold. I like it. Post credits in this movie is my favorite post credits. Same. Describe it. All right. So as you know, Shane Black loves doing his uh, narration. So we opened with narration. We closed with narration. The credits roll. And as the credits are petering out, Tony's narration comes back. And he's just kind of like talking loosely about like his life and what's going on. And we cut to Tony lying down on a couch and like talking. And then like the camera shifts and we see that that um, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner is sitting there and his eyes are closed and he is napping. <laughs> and then he wakes up and he's like, oh, wait, what did I miss? And Tony's like, when did I lose you? And he's like, you're at a party on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Cut to black. No, no, no. I think, oh, they, they, I think uh, they, they just like. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. It's already the best. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. so good. The idea that this has been a story that Bruce Banner has been asleep during. Yeah. Perfect. Bruce Banner slept through the movie. This entire thing was Tony in therapy with a person who is no <laughs> business being a therapist. Yes, exactly. And also, I love that out of the context of the Avengers, we are solidifying the relationship between Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. Yes, I we love are, it. And we're doing like more work than the Hulk movie ever did to yes. establish Bruce Banner as a character, and we have like a quarter of a second with him. He's a sleepy man. Well, and he's just a guy who's got a lot of anger issues. He's got issues. a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, give him a nap. Yeah. So, um, real quick, did you play any video games? Dude, no. I don't know why I even ask. 